episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged and today we have a very cool pleasure of meeting someone that I'm actually only this is the first time we're speaking we've only spoke through email like three times and I thought eh, what the hell get this guy on he's fun um, we're sponsored as always on this show by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel and today we're sponsored by two more shows uh, well two more sites one of them being wildthingsseafood.com links in the description below and international pacific.com so both great sites to go check out i'm sure the person that owns them will be telling us more about those in a moment now the person i have on board today i'm not going to give him too much of an introduction but i can tell you he is one of the very few copywriters after going through and finding out who he was and basically running a huge test of who he is I was like holy crap this guy's gonna give me a run for my money i'm so glad that he's not in the same generation as me and going for the same title <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen without any more further ado and silliness from me we have jeff moore jeff thank you for being here well, it's it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, and and uh, I don't know who's been talking to you, but geez, uh, <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah, you know, I've just always been checking out. Brandy's the one that actually introduced us, which is always quite nice of her. So shout out to Brandy. She's going to be on a show later on in the future. She's a, she's a rock star. She really is. Knows her stuff as well. Like really knows oh her stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, and obviously a poor judge of character if she's speaking highly of me though. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically all of us really we're all degenerates right. let's be honest here exactly and loving it pretty much the only way anyway so yeah okay cool so Jeff tell us a little bit about yourself because like seriously as much as I like to promote you and make you sound like a badass there's nothing more better than open free promotion for yourself so here you go you know um, it's funny um, I am in the food business and people keep talking to me like I'm a copywriter and I, I do a copyright for a lot of people um, that need some need to remain nameless. But uh, um, I own uh, two seafood companies with my family. Um, the, our main company, uh, which I'm president of International Pacific Seafoods, which is a uh, global importer and processor of premium chef-ready seafood to the food service trade. So we sell to the most discriminating chefs uh, in the United States, dealing with large chain restaurants and um, uh, uh, large distributors as well. So uh, some of the most successful uh, restaurant chains that we deal with are like Cheesecake Factory um, and uh, BJ's Restaurants and, and several regional and local chains as well. Uh, we also work with large distributors like Cisco, U.S. Foods, really? Performance Food Group. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's a... a that's We've been in that business for a long time. And then uh, I'm also the president of uh, Wild Things Seafood and Steaks. And that is a company that we started back in 2009 to take the same quality attributes that we had offered in the seafood industry to, to food service to chefs and deliver that direct to consumer at prices lower than any place you'll see online. Wow. And then we worked with our partner company, West Coast Prime Meats, to provide uh, premium chef-ready steaks and, and poultry and lamb and and uh, and clean and lean protein, so grass-fed right. as well. Do you guys actually deliver international or is it just U.S.? Just U.S. Damn it, seriously, you guys got to get on the I international know. thing. What am I going to do in London? Let, I have to, like, source let, my own stuff. Let me tell you, <sighs> uh, even the national thing is a pain in the ass because freaking uh, our buddies at FedEx, they just want to charge you an arm and a leg. And, you you know, they, they've got a thing where I, I can ship you three pounds of stuff and the entire box might weigh eight pounds, but their standard for the size box that we ship in is 16 pounds. And so... They charge us for 16 pounds. 
just Holy just shit. jamming us every step of the way. Just piss me off. Oh man, that is that is hilariously annoying. But then again, you know what? That's what you get with sometimes because um, you say you're not a copywriter, though. You say that you're not. You do know how to sell, so that's always a good thing. I yeah, just... and I and I am. I mean, I've I've written copy for six, you know, a lot of people, and uh, I I really to me. Uh, we've been going through this kind of uh, whole process about unique ability, and um, I love telling stories, and I love telling, telling you know the customer's story better than they can really tell to themselves, and uh, so that's been been a, a good value for me. Uh, I've been told by really top end copywriters that I've got game. But, you know, I still have that kind of that imposter syndrome that I'm like, you know, really am I really good at this stuff? And, you know, I'll tell we'll you see. I think I think I've got some game, but uh, but that's not up to me to say. I think honestly, it comes down to you'll always have that syndrome because I still have it. I've been writing for 13 years. I'm 25. I started at 12. And I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like but then again, it's like it's that weird self-conscious thing. I saw this on a, a post or on Facebook one day. You know those weird ones where it's like a pink background and has some writing. It just looks like a woman's. Yeah. It was one of yeah. those, and it's kind of just saying, it's like uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something along the lines of, um, I I'm better than everyone, yet I hate myself. It's like <laughs> the false self-esteem is like, wait, yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm good enough, but I'm better than everyone else. Screw everyone else. I'm just the best, but I hate myself. So that's how it is. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's and to me, it's just, uh, it's it's getting to that point where it becomes real that you are able to perform a, a service for somebody, be paid for it, but then also recognize the fact that they are hugely enriched by what you provide. Yeah, that was a huge thing for me. Now, that's one thing I'm going to go ahead and do either today or just another podcast. So it's like pretty much just talking about the pricing thing because that was a huge yeah. thing. I mean, like this is the, this is like the weirdest thing I got told off for um, by so many other copywriters when I told them. My first big hit was when I was 19. I wrote for a real because like, I went professional at 18. Uh, I was uh -huh. I was unconsciously studying copy between 12 and 18. I didn't know what I was doing. My dad had it all set up, and the guys listening to the podcast like, we've heard this story, you asshole. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but, yeah, my dad basically, um, helped, like, he got me to do some stuff just to help me with my writing. I got really good at selling anyway. So queue up to, like, my first big hit, which was in the real estate market. And I think I did um, 3.5 million pounds, which is, like, $6 million in a week yeah. for my client. Wow. Yeah, they paid me 3,000 pounds, which is nothing. And right. my percentage points were like 2.5%. So I took home like 80,000 pounds as like a paycheck, which is nothing to be sniffed Sweet. at as like an, as a 19-year-old. Like that's amazing as a 19-year-old. No. As a 19-year-old, hell, that's a, a for a 50-year-old. Remember, if you're making $35,000 American dollars, so that's probably tw uh, 28, maybe. 27. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess nowadays the dollar's a little stronger than, than things <laughs> they used to be. But, but think about it, at $35,000 a year, you make more than 99% of the people on the planet. Holy crap. So it's, uh, yeah, that's... So that means I've been making a really good living and not even realizing it. Love it. Right. Um, but Respect. no, the, the thing I actually did was I screwed myself up really badly because I had this one big hit. I was like, I don't know how to price myself because I let them decide how much I should how much I should be paid. Yeah. So uh, cue the five years of not knowing what I'm worth and then eventually going, haha, I should charge more than anyone else and see what happens. So well, and that's it. I mean, that's a charge for it and you'll find out if they pay it, that's what you're worth. Pretty much. Sometimes they won't pay. I mean, it's just really dependent on industry. I found with industry... They're lost. 
Yeah, I always find it with industry though. It's like um, I did some work for the offline marketing industry, like you know, guy that was selling offline marketing supplies to businesses. I wrote his ad for him, and like I said, it's twenty thousand dollars plus you know any design costs they accrue. And he was like, sure, why not? It came to twenty thousand dollars and fifteen cents. No, twenty thousand and fifteen dollars. That was like the total. I wrote a case study about it. I was like, the guy he hired against me cost him 17 and barely broke even. I'm like, um, I just smashed everything. Here you go. Enjoy. It's <laughs> what we do. There you go. But always right. Fun. Cool. So tell me about seafood stuff because this is interesting. How, like, is it a family company you inherited or is it one that you just started yourself? No, uh, it's, a, it's a family business and um, I'm actually fourth generation food service over here in Southern California. So um, there's a lot of lineage uh, as far as food service goes. And uh, going back to um, and and in sales, uh, really, tr- you know, great salespeople, um, and that is the uh, um, uh, my grandfather, uh, my great grandfather owned an ice company called Huntington Beach Ice, where they would make the sodas uh, and sell to retail. Where they would actually go back back in the old days, you'd sell them the, your bottles of soda, and the customer would buy it, and then they'd bring back the empty bottles. Remember, you know, to, to get their deposit back, if you will, and the bottler would come pick them up, wash the bottles, and fill them up again, and then go and sell it. So, I mean, that is a different time, uh, but that was the turn of turn of the night of the nineteen hundred or uh, uh, into uh, uh, the nineteen hundred the nineteen hundred twentieth century, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and then back in nineteen thirty nine, my grandfather was um, selling a guy a tie. Uh, had been in this beverage business for a long time, selling a guy a tie, and was explaining that you know this guy was in the beverage business, and so they created this commonality because my grandfather knew about it. And by the end of the 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 conversation, the guy that was buying the tie said, "Hey, we own a beverage company, and we would give you the franchise for Orange County in California, where and Disneyland is, and everything." Um, we'll give you the franchise if you can make our formulation properly. And he's like, we can do that. And the company was the Pepsi Cola bottling company. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah. And so my grandfather owned that bottling company until, um, the end of the sixties where he sold it in the late sixties. Um, and then my father had worked with him. It's my mom's dad, but my dad worked with him and then went and he's been in the food service business. Uh, I've been in the food service business and, and, um, you know, we bought this seafood company back in 1999. Uh, I was doing about about 10 million dollars a year. Uh, it's now doing about 40 million nice. a year. Um, but we're still hitting our head on you know certain certain aspects of the business and and uh, but learning every day. And my dedication to direct response, my dedication to marketing and collaboration and masterminding has really given us. Um, a unique position in the marketplace where I work and collaborate with a lot of other seafood companies instead of competing with them we collaborate and we use their best stories to be able to help them sell and then they pay us for doing that as well yeah always a good way why make competition when you can make a connection right just make that I'll tell you collaboration trumps competition every single time tell and me about it. it's, uh, it's we just have such you, you have such a good sorry I got you off that oh no we just it's it's so much it's it's a lot more fun you know, to, to do business that way. And, and uh, you know, there's still competition out there, but uh, um, all, for us, albeit, 
you know, 95% of the time it's friendly competition. And, and, but we really, you know, truly have, have developed and evolved a process um, in selling anything um, mm. that people have adopted. And it's five questions that we ask every single customer that we see. And um, uh, when we ask these questions, 73% of the time we find the customer's not using the best available option for their application. And over the last seven years, we've saved the restaurant operator $3.5 million in food costs by asking these questions. And so uh, people, you know, go, God, what are the questions? And I share the questions with them, and they go, these have nothing to do with seafood. And I'm like, exactly everything to do with the customer and so even in your business are we allowed yeah right go go oh absolutely i mean shit i'll uh you know and i'll send you a a link of this uh it's on the back of my business card (laughs) sweet (laughs) so so yeah everybody could know it and and you should see how many people plagiarize it but uh whatever it doesn't matter you know if you are creating the language right you're the only one that knows where you're going next exactly but uh um but it's literally like it's so basic but it's you know what are you using now you know what in in the seafood world it's like what is or the food world what's the brand what's the origin the label you know take a picture of it just let us know what it is what are you doing with it meaning uh, you know what are you doing with what you are buying right now and where we find that is the one where we've saved the the customer the most amount of money because they're not always using it to its best uh, ability you know it's it's all of a sudden you know if everything uh, if 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 all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail type thing. Uh, you know, so we're, you know, we, we find out what they're doing with it. What's your potential weekly or monthly volume? Where are you getting the product now? That really reveals, you know, the quality standards to which they're purchasing. And then we ask them, what are you paying for it? You know, and we're able to, through those questions, be able to come up with, you know, a tremendous value. I mean, I've been in one, you know, one sales call, the restaurant chain that in the first, in the first call, save the guy $75,000 a year. Yeah. You know, I mean, at that point you you pretty much can establish your preeminence by making the entire call about them, you know, and what you can do for them instead of hey, look how cool I am and let me give you the beginning, you know, let me give you the open and then here's the yeah. the arc and then here's the close. It's like bullshit, man. You're closing from the day you walk in the door, you know, exactly. from the second you walk in the door and it's by the questions you ask. And so, you know, I tell people Hey, these questions—they're the same questions you're going to ask whether you're selling seafood, meat, canned tomatoes, or ass gaskets and toilet paper. You just—you know—these are the same questions. I mean, David Bach, who's the New York Times best-selling author, has written 12 New York Times the Finish Rich series. He saw these questions on the back of my card. He's like, "Holy shit!" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I have seven questions I ask every single prospective client." And I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Can I put my questions on the back of my card too?" I'm just like. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, you know, go ahead and do it. Exactly. But people are like, I can't believe you put these questions on the back of your card. It's like, you know, I get competitors, you know, coming up to me that we might be doing this, you know, presentations in the same to the same seminar or, or the same live events. And they'll come up and go, you know, we're on before you. And I say, okay. They go, we stole your questions. And I'm like, what do you mean? They go, well, we use, you know, we talk about that in our, in our presentation. And I'm like, okay you know they're like well are you pissed that we stole them i'm like no i go are you gonna let people know where you got the questions well no and i'm like okay you know whatever you know i go i'm coming on after you so i'll help them understand that you know and invariably they'll tell me oh we got these from jeff moore but they're universal questions yeah see i always find that interesting because it's funny you should say that it's always whenever you're the quote-unquote innovator of something 
people will always rip you off, but they'll never know where you're going to go next with it. And exactly. Yeah, my cat's being a pain in the ass for everyone that's listening to this. I apologize. He's yeah. He's just he just knows when I want to call. It's like you know what? I'm just going to meow my head off until you pay attention to me. I'm like you were asleep for two hours today. You could have slept through this one. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. Fair or, enough. Or just you know, I'm glad you're just not blaming it on me. No, no I'm not blaming it on you. It's him. He's he's an asshole. I, I love him, but he's an asshole of a cat. So what do you get for having a purebred wild cat live with you? It's really weird. He's a, he's a fifth generation Bengal, like his great granddad was like an Asian leopard cat that used to hunt things in the wild, I'm like Sweet. I get to wrestle with you but the thing is he's like the most docile creature ever, just a pain in the ass, that's all it is and he, <laughs> he knows I'm talking about him because he's just like meowing, but what I'm going to say is that like, um, it's interesting because when you come up with a specific concept in copy or anything really, people are going to rip you off and as you said, it's as long as you know where you're going to take it next, they never know, yeah. it's always a guessing game and that's you know, that. it's I was just at, uh, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Joe Polish. Yeah, of course. Joe's okay. Awesome. So, so yeah, Joe, it's actually his birthday today. So yeah, I sent uh, him a happy birthday, Joe, when you listen to this, cause I'm going to get you, you on here at some point as well. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, he, you should, but, uh, um, we were, I was at 25 K, um, a couple weeks ago and I got to do a 10 minute talk and my 10 minute talk was called bring out the bomb squad. And, and it, it's a, it was about taking an irate customer and turning him into a raving fan in one call. See, that's yeah. good, but I don't think I can ever use that. You know, if I say that, bring out the bomb squad, I'm instantly in trouble. Yeah, like, the, no, just arrest you're, him. You're like, instantly. Death. Yeah, you're not allowed to. Yeah, exactly. This is. <laughs> I have you know, to change social... it, Bring out the fire squad. <laughs> oh damn! He's frozen. Jeff, I don't know if you can hear me, man. You've you've frozen for a second. Hold on, I'm going to hit pause on this. The video, so just uh, make sure that if there was anything about me on this end. But yeah. uh, Likewise, I did uh, the same. Um, I'm going to blame the cat because, you know, I don't know, just say it was him. There we go. Make Let's it just, yeah, it's always, it's always, you, you, uh, blame it on a pussy. <laughs> Pretty much, it always is. But the, but the uh, um... So you were at 25K, uh, bring out the... So I was at 25K, and we were talking about it, and it was funny, I was going to, my, the, the actual title was Bring a Gun to a Knife Fight. And um, Sean Stevenson, I don't know if you're familiar with who he is. He's the the little guy that uh, is just an extraordinary speaker, um, uh, and he's actually uh, just a great guy. Um, if you look up Sean Stevenson, so oh, we went out to I, dinner. I mean, yeah. We were out to dinner. Uh, I was out to dinner with Sean and Mindy um, during 25K, and he was just like, you know, that sounds too much like a pissing match to call it. Bring a gun to a knife fight, and I. Uh, um, so I changed it to bring out the bomb squad and it was all about, you know, at the end of the day, um, diffusing the customer and, and turning them from a pissed off, you know, a customer to a raving fan and using, you know, mode message and mood. And, you know, it seems to be that with copy, uh, with selling of any kind, with any type of storytelling, anything is about, you know, helping a person and putting them in in that scenario, in that picture that you're painting, and uh, and being able to tell that story ultimately better than they can to themselves, and uh, that is a uh, and it's a story about them, and so that's where I think I just my fascination with great copy. I think I was also a um, I got my motivation from my mother, who was a school teacher, and she would um, she was 
less than um, gentle when, with her criticism of my <laughs> writing as I was in high school. She would type my papers for me, and so she would have to read them while she was typing them. And I would hear her from the office where our typewriter was. We were using typewriters back then. Um, I, she would literally, you'd hear the house just going, Jeff, you are a moron. <laughs> I don't like what she goes, who taught you how to write? And it just, you know, from that point on, it was, I was dedicated to really, you know, create, being able to write and being able to take and deliver a message that is not only read, but it is eagerly received. And, um, that's just been my, my mode, mode and my story and, and how I use it in my day job and my night job and anywhere else I am. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea behind Real Copy, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really kind of understanding, and it's a great way for closing clients. If someone has, like, a problem with, like, getting clients, here's the easiest thing I can ever tell you. Explain their story to themselves better than they can say it themselves. Yep. That right there is a straight closer. I mean, I had a client on today earlier, literally 10, it was a 15-minute, hey, let me help you with this because I've worked in this marketplace before. Within 10 minutes, he literally goes, right, how much can I pay you to actually write this all for me? I was like, I wasn't even yep. doing it for this reason. I was doing it because I was bored. Okay, fine, let's go with this. Straight yep. away, just instant payment because, you know, you explain the story better than they can. To and that's and, and to me, it's just magic. And, and Wyatt Woodsmall says it just so great. Um, when you can articulate the needs, desires, challenges, fears, and aspirations better than the other person can, not better than they can to you, but better than they can to themselves. You pass a tipping point of becoming that person's trusted advisor for life. And all you have to do is continue to add value to those attributes and they will eagerly receive it for life. That is so true. I think White's, it, it wasn't White the pastor, it was uh, Nathaniel, no. wasn't it? Pastor recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to remember which one it was because Wyatt's got great stuff at his voice and his older age, bless him. It's, yeah. You gotta right. power through that. <laughs> you, you too. There's yeah, there's there's several that are getting that way that you've got to power through. But uh, Wyatt's definitely I think that you know, I think Evan Pagan does a great job paraphrasing Wyatt with small in a lot of ways, and so that's cool. I so. would agree with that because I like Evan's stuff. Evan's always a good guy. Yeah. He's someone that I really want. To, like, there's a whole list of people I want to get on to this podcast. Evan's one of them. Uh, yeah. Dean, Joe, yourself. Obviously, I got Actually, you. So great. So my two o'clock today is with Dean Jackson. <laughs> I have a, just we're just having a conversation about some stuff. But cool. uh, tell him I said hello. Dean, I don't know if you remember. Dean me. is off. He's off the charts. That guy. He's such a good guy. He's like a guy you can pal around with and joke around with, but he's just his his perspectives on things are just so just you you ponder you know what he says. He's it's like he's a it's like he's a I don't know a, a, some kind of a, a savant. Yeah, he's like a soothsayer. You know, he's just like this guy that or some guy that just you know you you know like one of those wise men that you climb a mountain to go talk to you know it's just he's just but he's just such a good guy at the end of this thing he's just so funny and and um just a sweet guy yeah i mean now i live in london one of my goals is for this year when he comes to london is to hang out with him because his his uh ex-wife sonia yeah sony sony she's like one of my clothes she's like a really good friend of mine and that original oh. intern one of their original copyrights i don't know if you know her diana santaquita Diana was like their copywriter for a really long time. Like Dean took her on, taught her all the ropes and stuff like this. And me and Diana, actually, the reason I know Dean is because the same week I met Dean, I added Dean on Facebook was the same day Diana added me. 
And uh, me and Diane really hit it off. And then she introduced me to Sony. And then Sony and I get along. Diane and I get along. And me and Dean have, like, a very distant relationship. But we get along as well. So it's always quite cool. Um, but tell him I said hi. I mean, it'll be quite interesting. I will. Yeah. I will. Just, just tell him, don't go on that guy's podcast. Why? He'll make fun of you for ages and make stupid jokes. I don't know. <laughs> you could do that. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I actually was on I Love Marketing. I've been on I Love Marketing a couple of times. Yeah. It's a good podcast. That's probably where I, like when I was doing my research, that's kind of where I was like, oh yeah, that's Jeff. That's the guy I'm interviewing. Holy crap. That'll be fun. Um, but I didn't go through the podcast. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to ask any, se- if I ask the same question, it's going to be by accident, not so much by on purpose, by design. Yeah. So I don't I, remember anything I say anyway. I, that's the big bane of actually notice of like copywriters and salespeople like once they get to a certain point you have to have a tape recorder walking around you or some sort of recording device because no doubt no doubt the amount of times like um if i'm on a client call i'm like make sure you're recording this at the start of it they're like why i'm like i'm probably gonna explain something to you you're gonna ask me what i just said and i'm gonna say huh at the end of that because i don't even know what i just said or when you start to tell somebody's story better than they can to themselves and they look at you like oh my god you know, did you just record that? And it's like, no. no it's just it's top- like, asshole. Yeah, it's just off the top of my head. Now, they're like, what did you say before that? Um, I, I can't remember what I just said. <laughs> it's you know, just it's funny. Gone. Joe Polish at 25K, anything, while he's doing that and he's talking, he actually keeps a personal recorder um, uh, with him that he's got on that, you know, most of the time when he remembers to do it, uh, he, he records everything he's saying. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So that's actually Smart. a very effective way to do things. Which reminds me, when I do more of these presentations. I'll make sure I do that. Um, I was speaking to Bond Halbert yesterday as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was on the podcast. Bond is awesome for several reasons and me breaking things, including my chest set. Yay! That's another oh, record for things I've broken on a podcast. I should really keep count. So far, Such an honor. It is, right? Tell me about it. It's only a good podcast when I break something. That's That's really like the whole aspect of it all. Um, but I was going to say, we had uh, Bond on last night, and oh my god, the guy just blew my mind for like an hour and 15 minutes. I was like, this is kind of scary and awesome. But um, we didn't talk too much about Joe in there. I mean, I wanted to, but he said we'll say that for the next time that we have him on. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot of conversation about that no. anytime soon. Uh, fair enough. No, it's just not. Uh, fair enough. But um, it's going to be fun, though, as always, just doing some crazy crazy podcasting stuff but hey um you sent out something around christmas time and i think this is where really where you and i connected or in the new year's uh in thursday night boardroom you sent out the jay abraham stuff as a gift from jay yep yep that was like really awesome because i was going through it and uh, i went through it a couple of weeks ago like a couple of weekends ago and i want to go through it again but this time with um my note taker because the way i see things is like i'll get one idea i'll write it down then not listen to the rest of the stuff and go do that Whereas I need someone to sit down with me and go, no, no, we're going to finish writing all these notes. And then we're going to pick the one thing where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't understand, um, like, Jay's strategy of preeminence is amazing. Right. It really is. But, like, for for the longest time, my brain was like, I can't think of how to articulate this in a way that I can write it down and understand it. Like, I understand the concept, but it doesn't sink in. I need to find a way to understand this. So I asked a couple of people, like, yes, it just means this. I'm like, oh, okay. Which just means what we've just been talking about. Pretty much being more of the kind of consultant and kind of helping well, telling them. The, t- telling the person's story better than they can to themselves. It's, that, is this, that is the essence of preeminence. You know, it's, it's preeminence doesn't walk in and say, 
how can I help you? You know, preeminence comes in and says, here's what's going on. This is what it means to you. And this is how I'm going to help you, whether it means a transaction for me or not. You know, and, and positioning yourself within the client or the customer's eyes as somebody that is their advocate, somebody that, that, that puts them preeminently above anything else and is, you know, where you're truly courting and falling in love with your client. And that's, that is the essence of preeminence, to be the go-to guy for education and information, whether it means a sale for you or not. Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's that's actually probably the most easiest way to um, to put it out there because, like, for the longest time, again, my brain, being as it is, would just go ahead and say, uh, "What do I do?" It's kind of funny when someone else explains it, and you're like, "I've been doing that this entire time." <laughs> what? Yeah. How dare it? But um, it's quite interesting. You it know, is- I got to tell you, we were just talking about something, and and I people think I'm an asshole when I say it. But one of the worst questions I think anybody can ask, especially if you've prescribed to the strategy of preeminence as a lifestyle for you, is if somebody comes into me and says, hey, um, you know, great to meet you. How can I help you? Yeah. And I'm like, when the fuck did you helping me become my burden? Yeah. Like, you you you, you know how to help me? Come in and tell me what you think I should do differently. Not, not you know, how can I help you? Stop everything and think of a way I can help you. It's like, I didn't invite you to help me. You know, I mean, I appreciate it. But, but does anybody, when somebody says, how can I help you? Is anybody ready to do whatever that person says? Nope. Right? So it's like, dude, really? I mean, let me, let me help let me let me help you see around some corners that you might not see around and let me give you some thoughts and some perspectives and maybe some solutions on how people can take advantage of that and really challenge you you know as far as as far as a, a person is is within your own entity you know i have a, a mastermind group that's got shit 470 members in 24 countries and you know people will come in and they'll we, we hammer them on questions, you know, and it's like, who are you? What do you do? But then, you know, as a copywriter, you're going to appreciate this. It's like, who is your customer? And when all of a sudden I start to hear, well, it's anyone who I kind of get into that rain man. Uh Oh, you know, what, what, you know, what do you, what do you mean? Anyone, you know? And they're just like, well, yeah, it's anyone who this or that. And I'm like, dude, the closest thing to anyone is no one. And that's who you're talking about right now. And so, you know, so it's like, who are you? Who is your customer? And then how does your customer talk about you? Well, what do you mean? How do they talk about me? Shit. If your service comes up, if the service that you provide or the product that you provide comes up in conversation, how are they stopping the conversation and you saying you have to, you know, you have to, you know, talk to John Smith and they're. They're like, well, I, I don't know. And I'm like, then you don't know who your customer is and you don't know the value that you're driving for them. And, but if they answer that properly, we go to the fourth question. That is, what do you do that makes you the best in the world in the eyes of your customer? And they glaze over again and they, they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm the best in the world. And it's like, fine, then you're just doing the heavy lifting and renting space until they find somebody who is. You know, it's like if you're not always courting your client, if you're not always looking at a way to take that conversation and that engagement to the next level you are dying 
as a supplier or a provider to that person. And mm-hmm. it it needs to be, you know, like in the old dating advice, they use the, the, the word propinquity, where it's proximity and likeness uh, as far as, you know, uh, uh, personalities as far as interests and things as their interests become your interests and then you become a champion for their interests i mean that is courting and the abcs of sales right the abcs of of lifelong client relationships is abc always be courting yep. and so when we're in the boardroom you know we do not allow people to be wishy-washy about this shit and this is this is the core of everything yeah uh, that's actually really amazing because um, for the longest time initially during the start of my career, that's what I did. And I got decent results, but nothing substantial. It wasn't until I started switching my stuff over to kind of just saying, like my opening line is not so much can I help you, but tell me about yourself. Yeah, if I, if I, yeah, if I don't know who you are, tell me about you. And some people get really weird about that. They're like... Um, well, I'm this and that. I'm like, no, tell me about what you do for a living. Like, how's your business run? Like, what do you do? Well, I'm in this industry. I'm in that. Okay, cool. Let's get on the phone. Here's, you know, a, a good one for baby steps for something like that, because that can get to be big mm-hmm. real quick uh, and, and go in a direction. I'm sure you've had this where you, you, they go in a direction that you're just kind of, you're almost glazing over. You're like, oh, Jesus, what, what, why did I ask that question? You know, but, uh, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, uh, when I go in and I'll see a chef or or somebody in business, I'll say, so how long have you been here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll look at a guy, and if a guy's like 45 years old and he's like, oh, I've been here for 10 years, I go, oh, where were you before now? Before there? You know, before here? You know, and so all of a sudden you kind of baby step them in and you're able to to have this this nostalgic conversation with them. Yeah, makes them feel um, like they've just, known you longer than they have. Absolutely, and you've you've now put yourself in part of their history, and um, you know you start to have this conversation, and they open up a lot better for you, and then it's easier for them to trust you in you know pinpointing certain challenges that they're facing, uh, you know, and and anything that that they might not be readily open to share. Yeah, I mean, it's always that's quite interesting because a lot of the times when we're on this podcast, well, when we're doing this podcast, I've had it more than one time where I've used something very similar to that when I'm asking my questions because I don't, I don't have a set list of questions. I never, I've, I learned a long time ago that is really boring for me, and I honestly do glaze over. Like, okay, robotic question number eight. I, I, yeah. used to, I used to do stand-up, so for me, it's all about like how can I engage the person in front of me, have a good laugh, and get the most yep. out of it and most of the time you get like really good people like yourselves and of course like ryan and bond and all the other guys they all just come in they're like dude that's the first time i've ever admitted that on a call or admitted yep. this i'm like yeah well, that's because i you know you feel you feel comfortable enough to share whereas you you seem like an open book you just like i don't care i tell everyone everything and it works in my favor because i'm awesome yeah it, it's i'll tell you right now that there's been a couple of times during this podcast that I've forgotten that we're doing a podcast. So I'm like, oh shit, that's actually, watch it. That's really cool. I mean, I love that because that just means that you feel comfortable enough to share that kind of stuff, which is always a good thing. Rule number one of dating and sales, make the other person feel comfortable. Oh, and, and you know what? And, and you're, you're a young whippersnapper at 25 years old. But the one thing that I found that works in, in lifelong relationships, and I'm talking whether this is with your spouse or with customers or anything is when they've decided to make you a part of their life 
or a part of their business and they've decided that you're that person before anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Before any other choice, they've now expressed a level of vulnerability to you and, and, and for you. And the best thing you can do is help them and continue to fortify their ability to feel safe in their vulnerability, mm -hmm. to feel good about their decision and always feel safe that you're there to take care of them in any circumstance. Yep. It's always the best way. It's how you get the long-term client always come back to you at the end of the day. And of course, the big, right. the big advantageous bit here is always, always produce results the best you can. And if you can't yep. be honorable enough to actually say, hey, let me do something about it or go from there. It's always a way around things to create long-term relationships with clients. Now, Jeff, I'm going to throw something at you because I know we've only, I don't want to keep you too long because you have a slammed day and I want to get you out of here in the next 10 minutes. Um, mainly, not because I don't love you, I do. I mean, we're going to do this again because it's been fun. Um, but okay, there's something I do with every single person that comes to this podcast and I always love the way they do things. So for you, I'm going to ask you the same thing. What are three bits of advice or three pieces of advice that you would summarize that you could give someone that's going from a struggling point of view to where they're a little bit more successful or someone that's reached a plateau and they don't really know what they're doing? Like, What three things would you give them? Uh, the first thing I would, I would suggest is that step, step away and articulate exactly what's going on right now. You know, uh, and how did you get here? Where did you, where did you, where are you now? How did you get here? And what has this meant to you? And where are you going? And what does that mean to you? And to be able to, you know, if you're talking about being stuck, I think it's really important to figure out somebody's path before they got stuck, because there in in lies maybe some some turns and some things that if they just were to take a one or two steps backward they'd be able to move forward a lot easier. Um, and, and to really help them identi identify and articulate the net, net return of what's going on right now, of their actions. Are they, are they climbing the right mountain? Are they climbing the right ladder, the light, right tree? You know, and uh, you know, is, this, is this end really at the, at the top of this mountain, is it really what they think it's going to be? And so when we draw back to being able to tell their story better than themselves, or even that question that I talk about is, you know, what do you do that makes you the best in the world in the eyes of your customer? I really, when I engage with a, with a customer or a friend or, or a spouse or anybody, or my wife, I guess, spouse, she's going to love that, um, <laughs> is, is to be able to step back and help them understand that, hey, I am you, and I know where you're going, and I've been there before, you know? And I've been to the top of this mountain, and you're already there. You just don't know it yet. And to just give that person a little bit greater understanding and awareness of where they are now, that helps them proceed confidently towards their next step. Because the only step that's really lit is the next one. Mm -hmm. As the old saying is that basically if it's um, you only have 200, like if you're driving across the night nighttime from, uh, say, New York to California, you can only see the next 200 like yards or so just very yep. like that you just gotta believe that you'll get there that's it exactly exactly and the horizon always moves so you know that's that's not the that's not your that's not to what you're con comparing yourself to compare yourself to the next step and the and the step after that yep it's really cool so yeah that's awesome and jeff just basically laid the smack down on absolutely everyone here 
pretty much how he does things. So, guys, if you want to go ahead and um, if you have any questions, as always comment below underneath the podcast, and you know we'll always get back to you as soon as we can. Check out Jeff's sites, which are internet. Well, actually, Jeff's sites. I've got to bring them back up because you know chat site. I can tell you, it's it's www.wildthingsseafood.com, and that is our consumer division where we sell premium chef ready quality seafood and steaks um, that are to passionate foodies that really care about quality and we're able to do that at a price lower any than anywhere on the internet um, and then international pacific seafoods is our uh, parent company um, and that's uh, internationalpacific.com where we are an importer uh, specialty importer and custom processor of seafood uh, to the food service industry that is awesome. And also go check out purelyhosting.com slash addle to get your website and hosting because they actually sponsor this show, which is always fun. As always, guys, thanks for having us, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode where we probably have some more fun going on. Take care.